Well, again, we, good morning, and we are the body of Christ. Can you say that with me? We are the body of Christ. Listen closely, ladies and gentlemen. When the Bible talks about our relationship to God, it doesn't talk about it in a, from a standpoint where it's foreign or it's distant. I want you to get a clear picture of this. God's desire is that we be and function as his body, as his body. Now, if you want to understand how important that relationship is, just go ahead and cut your head off and see how the rest of your body works without your head. That's a joke, by the way. Please, don't take me so seriously. Don't, don't, please. But my point is simply this. The Bible says that we are the body of Christ, and that's a special connected uh, relationship with God. And if we really think about this, over the last couple of weeks, we've been learning about the fact that uh, while we are many, we are one body, and we're called to grow in unity and in community as one, as children of God. Now, that union is important because if we're not united, as we learned, then we're divided. And unfortunately, we live in a day and age where more and more what we see is division amongst the body of Christ than what we do see is unity. If you don't believe what I'm saying, just check how many denominations we have in the world today. Where in Scripture is denominations listed? Where do we see all these different denominations? We are one body, one Lord, one faith, one baptism is what the Bible says, right? We serve one God. And so we have one faith, right? We're not of this faith or that faith. It's not in the Bible. And I would just encourage you to go check that out for yourself because that's not my opinion. That's not our opinion. That's God's opinion. That's how God designed it. And so we are one body. We're the body of Christ. And if you think about the significance of that statement, it tells us a few things. It tells us quite a few things, actually, if you consider it. It shows us that what he saw with his eyes tells us something about how we should see things with ours. Think about that. What his ears heard tells us something about how and what we should be listening to, how our listening is defined. What, his, what the words that he spoke with his mouth were tell us something about what we should be speaking, how we should be speaking. What his hands touch tell us something about who we should be reaching and who we should be reaching out to and who we should be touching. And where his feet took him tell us something about where we should go. If you think about this just simply, you look at the life of Jesus and you look at how he approached his earthly life and the ministry that's illustrated to us in the Gospels, and that's a living, breathing picture of what we as the body of Christ are called to be, how we're called to function. I know that some of us have heard of 1 John 4, 17, where it talks about how uh, as he is, so are we in this world, and that is true. Uh, but I, I want us to I want to uh, flesh this out a little bit, and we're going to look at the Message Bible in First John four seventeen, where it says God is love, and when we take up permanent residence in a life of love, we live in God, and God lives in us. This way, love has the run of the house, becomes at home and mature in us so that we're free of worry on Judgment Day. Listen closely to, the, to, to how this, the icing on the cake in this scripture. It says, our standing in the world is identical with Christ's. Our standing in the world is identical with Christ's. Can I ask you all a quick question? Wave at me. If you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, just, just wave at me. You can holler. You can do whatever you want. You can get excited about it. That's a good thing. All right, calm down, ladies and gentlemen. I understand this used to be a club, but calm down. <laughs> calm it down. Tone it down, please. Next thing you know, somebody's going to jump out and start dancing or something. You know. Hey, listen, David danced, right? So we can, we can do that too. But anyway, get, all right, getting back to serious business. Let's, let's act like Christians again. No, let me stop. 
<laughs> I want you to think about what the word says. It says that our standing is in this world is identical with Christ's. You know, when the Bible says that as he is, as he was in this world, so are you. That literally means that you are the same replica image of Jesus Christ right now on this earth. You don't have to feel like it. You may not act like it at times. You might not think that way at times. But God says, you are my mirror image here in this earth. That's important for us to understand. Because when we understand that what we see and that when we understand that what we see and know about Jesus tells us who we are as a body and how we should function, when we understand that, we begin to see that. And when we begin to see that, ladies and gentlemen, it informs how we function as a body in unity. Listen closely. We really are better together than we are apart. We belong together. And this world needs to see a united body of Christ. Think of it this way. I heard a preacher once say this, so this is not a PJ original. I take no credit for it. But he, this preacher took the Bible and he uh, put a piece of paper in it. He says, if I take this Bible and I put it over here, where's the piece of paper that I put in it? Right? Common sense is it's where the Bible is. Right? He says, and if I take this Bible and I put it in a puddle of water, what happens to the paper that's in it with it? It gets wet as well, right? And if I take that Bible out of that puddle and I set that to dry, what's, what's happening to the paper that's in that Bible as well? Eventually, it's beginning to dry as well. That's the picture that I want you to get about who we are as the body of Christ. What's true about him is true about you. Hey, let me take it a step further. What's true about Christ's experience on this world is the truth about what your experience is supposed to be here on this world. That is truth. That is the word of God. That is not my opinion. That is the word. The word of God. And so let's turn in our Bibles real quick just to flesh this out a little bit more to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4, 15 and 16. Ephesians chapter 4, 15 and 16 says this. But speaking the truth in love... We may grow up in all things into him who is the head, the head being Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. I just want to pause right there for a minute because that's a mouthful in and of itself. And I, what I want you to see is this. Notice that the body is supposed to grow up in all things into him who is the head. Notice that it says that we are supposed to grow up in all things into him who is the head. If you really think about what that's saying is, it's saying this, that we, the body, we follow after the head. It's not the other way around, ladies and gentlemen. It's not the head follows the body. It's not. And so while Christ lives in us, while Christ goes with us wherever we go, while the same spirit that raised, raised Jesus from the dead empowers you, equips you, reveals truth to you, uh, capacitates you to do above and beyond what you could on your own, independent of God, while all that is true, if we're not following the head, then guess where the body's headed? Nowhere. And so... If we struggle with this, I want us to get this picture first and foremost, that our big idea is simply this. The body is meant to follow after the head. And the reason why I want you to consider this today, this morning, is because many times what happens is, is we become cliquish. Now, I didn't even address this first service, that we become cliquish. You know, humans by nature... The nature independent of God's nature. That's what I mean when I say humans by nature. Our nature is to follow the herd. You see this amongst not just young people, but even older people. You see it in the church. Oh, this is where it's, this is jumping. This is, this is where it's at. And so everybody's following the, the, the emotion and the feeling and it's woohoo. And then all of a sudden you find something better 
oh, this suits me more. This feels better for me. I love what they're teaching about me, me, me. You know, the Bible talks about that. It talks about the danger of following after what our itching ears want to hear. There are people that leave the body of Christ because this isn't what I want to hear. This isn't what I was taught. Ladies and gentlemen, the body follows the head. The head does not follow the body. You want me to prove that to you? Jesus said this, my sheep know my voice. My sheep know my voice. And they only hear the shepherd. The shepherd. And so we are built to follow the head. That's the makeup. That's how this is supposed to work. And if we struggle with this truth, if somehow we, we wrestle with this idea and we believe, well, you know, I could, I could go to church in my house. No, you can bring the church to your house because you are the church. But understand something, that the way that God designed the body to function is in unity and after the head, not independent of one another. We're not supposed to be independent of Christ. We're supposed to live independence of Christ. It's a completely different, di different, different angle. This is the way we're supposed to exist. And so, if think about this. If you were to decapitate a head from a body, what really happens? Number one, there's no life in that body any longer. Right? There's no power flowing to that body. There's no direction that that body can have communicated to it. It has no instruction. And guess what else is impossible when you decapitate the body from the head? There's no coordination. It can't work together. It can't help one another. It can't build each other up. And so when the body is united as one under the leadership of the head, who is Christ, every part of the body functions as it's supposed to and according to verse 16 in Ephesians 4, it says that each part does its share. And what results is that we are all able to grow and supply for each other's need. It may not feel like it, but right now, there's a supply available to each one of us. And many of you are looking up here. And while that's appropriate and there's something that I can supply, what many times we fail to do is look to our left and look to our right. I would encourage you right now, do this with me. Go ahead and turn to somebody and say, I need you. <laughs> tell somebody else, I need you. Go ahead and tell somebody else, I need you. And now say this with me. We need the head. See, the head, the body without the head isn't going anywhere. I recall a song that I heard many years ago. You might remember it. I'm not going to try to sing it in any type of key because I'll probably sing it, sing it in the key of Z. And just so you know, that's not a key. That'll be my key. That's my range, right? So we're not going to do that. But the song questioned this exact point. It says, but if we are the body, why aren't his arms reaching? Why aren't his hands healing? Why aren't his words teaching? And if we are the body, why aren't his feet going? Why is his love not showing them there is a way? There's another lyric that I remember uh, to that song that I didn't write here for myself. That it says, Jesus paid much too high a price. For us to pick and choose who should come. It says, we are the body of Christ. And so, while this song highlights an issue amongst the body, it doesn't quite go to the great extent to provide the answer. It provides a good question or good questions. But if we were to really consider what the answer is, the reason why many times the body isn't reaching the reason why his hands many times aren't healing or we're not seeing the manifestation of it, the reason why his words might not be teaching is because the body isn't united as one to the head. 
if you look at Ephesians 4, you'll see that when it talks about the purpose of the leadership of the body of Christ, given to the local church, to the gathering of believers, it says this. It says that, yes, the purpose is that we mature, that we grow to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Jesus Christ. But here's what it also says, and it even says it before that. It says that we would grow in the unity of the faith. Have you ever thought about what this walk of faith is all about for us? It's about Jesus, ladies and gentlemen. It's only about Jesus. It's only about knowing Jesus more and more and understanding his character, understanding his nature in us, understanding and growing familiar with his voice and his leading and his guidance and his promises and the truth that has been given to, given to us and deposited within us. It's all about Jesus. See, that's the central point at which we all meet. That's our uniting power. That's what binds us together in the spirit of love, as Paul talks about. It's Christ. And so if we're not all seeking and growing in that direction, how could we be united? How could we be one? It's absolutely important. So today you'll leave here and you say, you know, that was a good word. You know, man, I was really encouraged about it. That's great. Awesome. I'm glad you were encouraged. But how are you going to work out your own salvation? How are you going to grow as a result of what you're receiving? How will you devote yourself to seeking after the Lord? We have to each individually make that decision. Ultimately, that's what unites us all. And so for the next couple of minutes that I have, I want to take a closer look at what a body that follows ahead looks like. And we're going to literally look at this from the life of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 9, if you'll turn there with me, there's a story uh, that is uh, literally summarized in one verse, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 2. I'll give you some background for it. You can also find it in the book of Luke um, and in the book of Mark. But it's a story of these four guys who were all on their way to a church service. The Bible says in the book of Luke chapter 5 that um, Jesus showed up at this particular uh, town. And that the house was packed, but it was packed with religious people. It was packed with people from the church, if you really think about it. And so it's all packed, there's no more room, and the crowds are still outside. They all want to hear, they all want to see what Jesus is there for. And the Bible clearly tells us in Luke 5 that his, Jesus was there and it, his power was present to heal them. And so he had an agenda he was bringing something to them. The problem was that while all the church people were there, none of them knew who was actually there. The healer was there. Healing was available. God was there, his power present to touch them and radically change their lives. The problem was they didn't see. Here's the first point that I want to make as we dig into Matthew 9 too. It's simply this. That as the eyes of Jesus, we see by faith. Now, I know you might go, oh God, I get it. We, we walk by faith and not by sight. I understand that. I've heard that. I know that. The question is, do you believe that? Because see, faith is not something that we simply associate ourselves with. Faith is the very substance of what we believe and hope for according to Scripture. It's what takes us from natural to supernatural. It's what makes the promises of God real and alive. It's what brings this word alive in our lives and causes it to, to produce fruit in our lives. And so get this picture. Jesus in the, is in the midst of a bunch of people who can see physically but are blind. They can't see. And the Bible, and th this is one of my favorite Bible stories because if you, if you study it for yourself, and I encourage you to do that in Luke 5, you'll see that these four guys get there and they don't see a way into the house. They don't see it. But then they see something that nobody else sees. One dude goes, he goes, dude, the roof. The roof. Get your jackhammer. Get your sawzall. Let's get up there. And they get up there and they begin to rip the roof off of this house. Can I encourage you something when it comes to faith? Rip the roof off. Amen. Rip it off. Rip it off. 
Rip it off. Listen, don't subscribe anymore to seeing things just by what you naturally see. You can't go by that. This is a faith walk. We either believe in a God who we can't see but we know is alive and well, who's called us into a realm where we can trust him, not based upon evidence, but based upon his word, which is truth. <laughs> Listen, Matthew 9, 2 summarizes this story in one verse. It says, then behold, they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. And it says, when Jesus saw their faith. Let's pause right there for a moment. Have you ever stopped to consider what gets God's attention? It's not how you behave. It's not how you dress. It's not where you go. It's not the work that you do. It's not the impact that you've made in other people and all the accolades that you've gotten. It's not the money that you make. It's none of that. It's not even the, 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 the people you affiliate yourself with. There's one thing that Jesus saw that nobody else saw. I imagine that all these religious people see this guy coming down from the roof and, they're, and the, they're indignant. I can't believe that they just ripped the roof off. And the Bible says that Jesus saw their faith. He saw their faith. Why? Because they saw the way he saw. When nobody else saw a way in to get this guy, when nobody cared about this guy, if you really study it, you'll see that they completely, people overlooked him. And these four guys happened to be passing by and they noticed him. They saw something that nobody else saw. Ladies and gentlemen, as the body of Christ, we must remember this crucial point. We live by faith. We see only by faith. Listen, if it's not bigger than your capacity, if it's not bigger than your resources, if it's not bigger than what you can conceptualize in your head, it is not faith. The Bible says that God does exceedingly, abundantly, above, beyond what you could ask or imagine. Can I encourage you with something? Rip the roof off and begin to dream big. Begin to believe big. Begin to trust God's word big. Believe that his promises really are for you. For you. That God truly means what he says. That he truly does have a hope and a future for you. That he truly has a, a life that is abundant for you to live in. Some of us might say, well, you know what? I'll get there someday. Listen, that day has arrived. Christ is alive and well in you now. The question is, what are you looking at? What are you looking at? This isn't even in my notes. I don't even know how far I'm going to get with this sermon. So you just have to trust me. I remember being a young man, and you know what my problem was? I didn't see the truth. I heard about it, but I didn't see it. And you know, I got distracted very quickly with people. I got distracted with friends. I got distracted with, with everything else that was going on around me. And now watch this. I thought I, 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 I could see but you know what's the mark of a person who can't see? They end up tripping up. There's always error that results. What they thought would work out doesn't work out. The people who they thought were their friends turn out to be not their friends. The people we thought we could depend on and that we thought they were great people and they had our best interests in mind, what we begin to see is, wow, they really didn't. And, and the problem is this, that without truth, without faith to see what God is speaking, where God is leading, ladies and gentlemen, it's like the blind leading the blind. Jesus said that as a matter of fact. And so we need to remember that what we see is by faith. And how do we see by faith? Well, we follow the example of Jesus himself. Because Jesus saw by faith. We agree with that, right? 
But what does the word say in Romans chapter 10, 17 about how faith comes? It says faith comes by hearing. And hearing what? Hearing comes by the word of God. And so if we want to see according to faith, if we want to begin to see the exercise of believing greater things and expecting the word of God to work the way it promises it does and having a thriving relationship with God and with each other in the body and really seeing God use and work through our lives to impact others in a great way amongst the body and outside the body, we have to understand something, ladies and gentlemen. That doesn't happen independent of the word. Faith can't work without the word of God. It's like peanut butter and jelly. You just don't mix something else with peanut butter. It's peanut butter and jelly. We don't do anything else with peanut butter but jelly. Peanut butter and jelly. That's it. Not peanut butter and bananas. Not peanut butter and honey. It's peanut butter and jelly. That's the way it's supposed to work. You get my point, right? What I'm saying here? Which leads me to my next point for us, for all of us. As the ears of Jesus, we hear by God's word. See, if, I don't know if you've ever really thought about this, but right now you're hearing audibly the words that I'm speaking. But the way you're interpreting them is dependent upon what you know, what you believe, what you've experienced, what you've been taught what you've been exposed to. And so here I am talking to you about Jesus. And for some of us, it might be, oh man, I can't wait till we get out of here. I, listen, it happens. But, but, but question, where did you draw that mentality from? What informs your mindset? What words are you hearing that impact that response to a God who loves us, a God who wants us to grow to a great extent. And so if your ears are attuned to God's word, you'll find that the result is a life of faith. But here's the thing. I want you to realize that to attune our ears to God, it happens by his word. You know, when it comes to hearing the radio station that you want to hear, here's what you do. You change the channel until you get there. Hey, how about this? If what you're not hearing is God's word, or at the very minimum, if what the results you're not getting are what God's word promises, then have you ever considered that maybe it's time to literally change the channel? Change it. Change it. Because God is always speaking. God's word is always speaking. The spirit of God is always pointing us to truth. And so as a people of God, as the body of Christ, we must understand that we are dependent upon his word. We only hear God through his word. And for some of us, we might believe that that only happens when you come here on Sunday. Let me give you a little exercise to show you the importance of hearing God's word. You leave here today and go get yourself some plugs, right? And plug your ears for the rest of the week and try to function throughout the week without your hearing and see how that works for you. My point is simply this. As the people of God, as the body of Christ, Jesus only depended on God's word. Shouldn't we? Let me show you that from scripture. Uh, in John chapter 12, verses 49 and 50, Jesus makes this statement. He says, For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command. What I should say and what I should speak, and I know that his command is everlasting life. Watch this. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I speak. Listen, we've all heard the news, right, over the last couple of days about Hurricane, which one are we on now? Irma, right? 
There's even one called Jose. How cool is that? <laughs> right? But we've heard about Hurricane Irma, and we can't forget about the impact of Harvey, right? And so all these hurricanes happening and all, and so I don't know, I, I, I'm not trying to sound unsympathetic. I'm sure that some, at least some of you here have some family that could be impacted by this. I, I myself have tons of family in Florida, um, some who have uh, unwisely chosen not to leave the Miami area that was told to evacuate. And, and so all throughout the week, guess what's been in my ear? The news. News flash. Hurricane Irma is heading towards Florida. It's going up the East Coast. It's a 400-mile uh, uh, hurricane, 400-mile uh, wide. There has never been a hurricane this big in the, in the history of the Atlantic Ocean now coming towards the United States. And blah, 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 blah. And so let me tell on me. So earlier this week, I'm on the phone with my family. And they, hey, you guys hear about the hurricane? They're like, yeah, 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 you heard about it, man? Yeah, they're projecting that it's going to go up Miami and up the, the East Coast. We're on the West Coast, you know, so I don't think we'll be too bad, blah, blah, blah. And so then the next day it comes around, hey, did you hear that it's shifting? And so now this is the conversation that's being dictated by what we're intaking. And I found myself for quite a few days this week, calling my family a lot more than usual. I found myself saying, hey, you need to get out of there. You need to evacuate. I know they say that you, you know, you're 25 feet above the sea level where you're at. You should consider going. You know, oh, have you done this and have you done that? And so this is the conversation that was developing. But I'm going to tell you why that was developing. Because what I was listening to was independent of God's word. I'm not saying that we neglect, you know, facts, what's going on. But truth, the truth of God's word trumps facts. Amen. Hear what I'm saying. And so I call my sister about two days ago, I think it was, and we're talking. And my sister has this breakdown on the phone. She just breaks down. I don't know what we're going to do. Oh, my God, I'm so scared. And, and I'm listening to, and I'm feeling this anxiety rise. And then all of a sudden, as I'm listening to her, the Holy Spirit reminds me of a scripture. Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, make your request known to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And I hear that, and I'm reliving that as I'm, I'm that scripture's just coming out of my mouth, right? But I'm hearing that, and then all of a sudden I realized, wait a minute, there's something not right here. And I said to my sister, sis, what does God's word say? That he keeps us under the shadow of his wings. That he makes us to dwell in safety. That we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. That we're the head and not the tail. That he never leaves us, never forsakes us. And so all of a sudden I'm talking with my sister and I, and I said to my sister, I said, sis, you, you know what? In the midst of all the news that we're listening to, there's one key thing that we're overlooking. What does God's word say? More importantly, what will we say in alignment with God's word? And so all of a sudden, something shifted for me. See, our, our words are most impactful when they are aligned with what God the Father says. Jesus gives us that example. He himself asserts that the words that he spoke weren't his. Listen to what Jesus says. He says, they're not even on my own authority. I only speak what the Father speaks. As the body of Christ, we must begin to learn a new language. The word of God. The word of God. The word of God, ladies and gentlemen. Listen, you could shimmy, you could hoot and holler, you could do all that. You can have some feel good and some goosebumps. But that comes and goes. But the word of God remains forever. Amen. 
We have to learn to look to the word and speak the word of God. As the hands of Jesus were to bless and heal others. Matthew chapter 8 verses 1 through 3 says this. It says, when he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him. Let's pause right there for a minute. I want you to get a picture of this. Maybe you know this, maybe you don't know this. But in those days and ages, while they were still under the law, the law said that if you were a leper, you could not come amongst the community of the people of God. As a matter of fact, they had a whole society set up aside for you. It was strictly for lepers. And if you were, if you had to pass by a region where there were people that weren't leprous, here's what you had to do. You had to cry out, unclean, unclean, unclean. You had to announce to everyone, stay away. And so I want you to get a picture here. The Bible says that Jesus comes from the other side of the mountain and they're coming down. And all these people are following him for whatever reason. Some of them are just looking to get some bread. Some of them want to see miracles. Some of them want to see, is this guy really who they say he is? Others are looking for their own healing. They're looking for their own miracle. And all these people are following Jesus, and they are very familiar with the law. And the Bible says that a leper comes to Jesus, and he worships him. At that moment, while the Bible doesn't say this, what we see is that only one out of the multitude reached towards this man. Only one. So we can safely assume this, that the rest of the crowd said, whoa, you're unclean. Stay away. You don't belong here. Arrest them. Get him out of here. And watch what the Bible says. He says to him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And then Jesus put out his hand. Notice that it doesn't say that he put on a glove. Notice that it doesn't say that. Notice that it doesn't say that he retreated. It says that Jesus put out his hand. He touched them. He touched him. Now, if you know anything about leprosy, it's a very contagious disease. And Jesus, instead of following the norm and retreating, he extends his hand. And he doesn't just extend his hand to say, how are you, brother? God bless you. It's God's will that you be healed. What did he do? He reached out his hand and he touched him. And this is what Jesus said. He says, I am willing. Be cleansed. And immediately this leper was cleansed, the word of God says. Now, I want you to think about this because we can think about a leper and go, ooh, that's disgusting. But I think that we've all been there. Where our lives, the trajectory on which we were following after, the things that we were involved in, the mindset that we had, the belief system that we held to, was completely, in a very real sense, leprous. We were, it was like our lives were decaying. And the Bible says that while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. He reached out when we... Didn't deserve it. He reached out when what really should have happened was hands off. And yet he reached out. And why do I share that? Because in this day and age, it is still God's will to bless and to heal. But guess who he's doing it through? His hands. Let me ask you a question. Who will you reach out to? Who will you seek to touch? When you, when you come across people and, and their lives are, are shattered and they're sharing their story with you, will you share not just your story, but his story? 
Will you share what God intends for them, what God's will is, what God has done in your life, how your life has changed? Listen, God is in the blessing and healing business, but he doesn't do it independent of you and I. While this leper approached, watch what Jesus did. He approached him too. We live in a day and age today where, and I, and I know I said this last week, and I'm not trying to harp on this, but man, this world is looking for the church. When Harvey hit in Texas, you know it's one of the things that kept coming up? Where's the church? Where are the churches? And, and, and guess who they went after? The biggest church. And guess what a lot of people amongst the body of Christ did? They went after it too. Tearing at one another. That is not God's will. God desires to provide healing not just to the world but amongst the body. But watch this. If we're not following the head, we'll never do it. As the feet of Jesus, we bring peace to a world in need of a Savior. I want you to think about the words that Ephesians 6.15 state. Ephesians 6.15 says this, that our feet are fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Hey, can I ask you all a question? Has the gospel of Jesus Christ changed your life? If it has, wave at me. Be, be proud about that. It's changed your life. Amen. Let me ask you a question. If the, has the gospel of Jesus Christ changed how you see things? Has it improved your mindset? Yes, right? Has the gospel of peace, has the gospel of Jesus Christ brought peace into your life? Has it healed different areas of your life where you once struggled emotionally with your own image? Has it changed that perspective? Has it changed your household? So watch this. If the gospel of peace has done that in your life, listen to what Ephesians 6.15 says. It says that you've been fitted. It's talking about you've been equipped. It's been tailor-made. It's been wrapped around you. It fits nicely. It's perfectly. It strengthens you. It gives you stability now. You can stand. The Bible says that we've been fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And just like the, the word of God, the, the gospel has impacted your life and blessed you and healed you and prospered you and touched you and changed your life, renewed your mind, touched your household, turned your world around. Ladies and gentlemen, that gospel is supposed to do that in this world. Hmm. Wherever you go, you are fitted with the gospel of peace. Have you ever thought about why? See, if we look at the life of Jesus, what we'll see is that wherever Jesus went, he went with one agenda. Watch what Matthew 9, 35 and 36 says. It says, then Jesus went about to some cities. Is that what it says? What does it say? It says, then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Look at what Jesus' agenda was. You know, the Bible says, we, we, we heard about it earlier, that when he showed up in that household, that the power to heal was present. Hey, guess what? Wherever you go, the power to heal is present. The power to touch lives is present. Why? Because you've been fitted with this God. I understand that you've gone through things. I understand that we have hurts. I understand that there's still divisions in, in our communities and amongst the body of Christ and all that. But that does not change the fact that we have an answer. The answer. 
Luke 19.10 says this, Jesus said, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's where his feet took him. That's where our feet are meant to take us. That's where we're meant to go. I close with this thought. A couple of weeks ago, my wife and I had the chance to go away for vacation. It's been a long time since we've gone on vacation. And, uh, you know, when it comes to vacation, I'm a pretty easy guy. Just give me a pair of swim trunks and flip-flops. I don't even need a T-shirt. I let it all hang out. And give me a beach and some suntan lotion because this bald head will burn. I learned that. And so this one day, my wife says to me, "Hun, I got a surprise for you tomorrow. And I said, what? She goes, we're going to Daytona Beach. And I said, yes, right? So we get to Daytona Beach, and guess, guess what's so cool about Daytona Beach? I highly recommend that you go there at some point if you get a chance. You could drive your truck onto the sand. So I pull in, right? If, if it wasn't because it was dry, I probably would have, well, it wouldn't have been mudding because it's sand, but I would have probably tried to do some cool stuff with my truck. But anyway, we get there, we pull in, we're at the beach, man, the sun is, is beaming, the, 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 the waves are beautiful, the water was just right, it was like 75, 80 degree wet, uh, uh, warm, and, and I was just loving it. And while we're there, we had one of those moments where we were just kind of just laying out, you know, my wife was tanning, she's got her eyes closed, got her shades on, and I'm just kind of sitting there just observing the beach, thanking God. And I noticed something. I noticed that the lifeguards weren't just in their seats. In Daytona, they do something that I've never seen anywhere else. Maybe you've seen it. I know I haven't. They've got lifeguards going up and down the beach coastline on uh, jet skis seeking. They're not waiting for somebody to say, help, help, help me. I'm drowning. Help me. I don't know if you ever thought about this, but as the feet of Jesus, we are his search and rescue team. God's not looking at anyone else. He's provided a savior. He's provided the answer, but as his feet, it's up to us to leave our comfortable beach chairs where we're tanning and to get going with this gospel. Amen. Now listen, that doesn't mean that you got to be a granola bar. What are you talking about, Pastor Jose? You don't have to be fruity. You don't have to be flaky. You don't have to be nutty. That's what I mean when I say that. You don't have to go stand on a corner with a big placard, with a, a, a megaphone, right, shouting at the top of your lungs, you're all burning and going to hell. You don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. You know what it takes? takes a heart that says, God, you love the world, and so will I. God, you love people, and so do I. Because just as you are, so am I here on this world. See, we follow the head, ladies and gentlemen, and if we look at the life of Jesus, Jesus wasn't sitting on a beach chair waiting for somebody to say, help. He was out on the coastline looking just in case there's one. That's our job today, ladies and gentlemen. That's part of our job description as children of God, to seek that which is lost, to reach out and touch, to go to dark areas and be a light, to go to those areas where things have gone sour and be salt. And restore life to those dry places. To be his ears and listen how Jesus listened. To see by faith and speak God's word. We are the body of Christ. And we follow after the head. Next week, a couple of weeks ago, about a month and a half ago, I woke up in the middle of the night and I woke up with this one phrase. One big Sunday. One big Sunday. Now, every Sunday is Super Bowl Sunday as far as we're concerned. Because every Sunday that's about Jesus 
and we gather around that, that's a win. That's bigger than the Super Bowl, right? But I woke up, and I went back to sleep, and I remembered that phrase, and that morning we get into the office, and I said to my wife, we're going to do an event. We're going we're gonna to have one Sunday in September. It's going to be September 17th. Don't ask me why. That was just the date that came to me. So September 17th. We're going to have one big Sunday. And on that big Sunday, here's what we're going to do. We're going to simply preach the gospel. We're going to talk to people about how uncomplicated the love of God is. How we've created church to be something that it's not supposed to be. That God truly desires not just that we be a body, but that this body grow and that it is incomplete without you. That God loves you, that God cares for you, what God actually has done. My wife says to me, okay, cool, how are we going to do this? I said, we are going to do this. And so we've been announcing it. We're going to do some cool stuff here and all that, but here's what I'm encouraging you to do next weekend when you come here. Don't come empty-handed. What do I mean by that? Remember, you're God's search and rescue team. Here's one thing I know about lifeguards. Good lifeguards... They don't quit until they pull that person out. So here's what I'm saying when I say don't come empty-handed. Go ahead and reach to someone and say, hey, I want to invite you to a day at my church next Sunday. No strings attached. You don't have to worry about anybody embarrassing you. You don't have to worry about anybody getting granola bar on you. Right? We're not going to get fruity and flaky and nutty. We're just going to Love God and love people. And I'd like for you to see church in a way that you've never seen it before. Would you come with me? I'll pick you up if you need to. You got the kids? Don't worry about it. We got a kids department. You need a ride? I'll pick you up. You'll let me know? You know what? I'll call you. And then after that, we'll go out to lunch. As a matter of fact, they're serving the teens breakfast. They just better make enough for us. <laughs> But listen, it's about time we function as the body of Christ. Not just within the walls, but outside the walls. And listen, that doesn't just mean amongst those that don't know Christ. That means amongst us here as a body. The Bible says that we each supply each other's needs. After we're done here today, can I encourage you with something? Take an extra minute or two. Go hug somebody. Go talk to somebody. Go ask somebody their name, someone you don't know, and supply a need. Supply encouragement. Listen. Love them. Serve them with a the body. Amen?